Hello and welcome to the Anchor Faith Message Podcast. Enjoy this message. Well, tonight we're going to finish up. I just believe that in Jesus' name that you're going to receive something you can take home with you. Meditate on the rest of the week. Have the opportunity uh, last week to start something. I'm finishing it tonight, even though it's not exhausted. There's so many things that we can pull from the Word of God that we need to understand that every day with Him in His Word brings the enlightenment that we have to have in order for us to walk the victorious life that He has. Amen. Last week we talked about the kingdom concept of lordship. And I started out by asking a few questions. One I'd ask, the first question that I asked was, does anybody in here by the show of hands know of somebody that you know personally that started out in the things of Christ, but wound up, you know, basically veering off or stepping away or falling back, and they're not serving the Lord like they once did? Anybody? Everybody knows somebody. And that's a sad situation because that didn't have to be. Well, you know, tonight I've got another qu question for you. Is that, uh, have you ever met anybody that when you found out they were a Christian, you were surprised? <laughs> yeah. Could have fooled me. But you know, the ones that get me the most are the ones that look so sad, so depressed, so beat down. You know, I, I believe that the Bible lets us know that the life in Christ is supposed to be one that has a little personality to it. You know, I've met some people, and I heard a, a guy say one time, he said, would you please go to Walmart and buy yourself a personality? You are void of personality. But you know, the, the life in Christ should be for us exciting. We shouldn't have any down days. I mean, I know things come. Jesus even said it. I mean, thank you, Lord. What, what, what kind of word is this? You know, in the world you'll have tribulation. Well, you know, a lot of people stop with that tribulating. That's their life. They didn't finish the verse. It said, but be of good cheer for I have overcome. Amen. So tonight, we want to we wanna just review for a minute about lordship and get the understanding of what a lord truly is. And if you'll remember, we started in Romans chapter 10 uh, and verse 9. Uh, it said that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And we discussed the, the fact that it's more than just being saved from hell. As a matter of fact, the word saved in its original language doesn't even have the word hell in it. It's talking about everything that we need to be able to function in this earth. He has been able to get that to us. So therefore, we are saved from the world system as we enter into the kingdom. And the only way that you can get in there is by the confessing with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. And it isn't a generic just like saying, you know, Joe Biden is our president. No, we have to say Jesus is our Lord. There, it's not just a phrase. It's not something we, nice we put on the bumper sticker. Jesus is Lord. It sounds good. Praise the Lord. Another bumper sticker. No, 
we have to confess Jesus as our Lord. That's how you enter into the kingdom. All right. And so when we talk about, we talk about Lord, I gave you the, the definition. It is the word kurios in the Greek it means supreme in authority, master controller or owner. And we talked in detail about the ownership aspect of, uh, of, of uh, the word Lord and the fact that today the usage that we understand is the word landlord. Everybody understands landlord. Do we understand landlord? Landlord owns the land and the house probably on it that you're renting. Okay? We've all rented. I saw many hands uh, last week that talked about that. We have to understand Jesus is Lord. Now, one of the scriptures that I, uh, I missed, uh, I do believe, I want to give you this one. This is uh, Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at 9 through 11. Philippians chapter 2, 9 through 11. And it says, Wherefore God has also highly exalted him and give him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow things in heaven things in earth and things under the earth here's verse 11 and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is what Lord and it says to the glory of God the Father so the picture that we paint from this is that there's going to be a day when everybody will bow down and confess Jesus as Lord. The beautiful part about that is the fact that you can do that now. And you need to do that now. All right? I believe with everything going on in this crazy, crazy world, that, you know, there's going to be, I, I, I just can't, I can't imagine anything other than when people will wake up and the Lord will take them back to their childhood when they went to Sunday school. And they got to thinking about what mama said. You know, that's how we sometimes need to live our life. What did mama say? You know, mama had to tell us to get up. Mama had to tell us, you know, brush your teeth, wash your hair, clean behind your ears. All right. You know, mama, mama was there to help us. But, you know, the thing is, the Holy Spirit's there to help us because he's going to let us know certain things that we need to do to be able to function just like mama did. All right? So when we take a look at that, every knee will bow and they will confess. We need to do that now. But there will be a day that everybody that ends up in the lake of fire right before they go, they will bow the knee and they will say, Jesus is Lord. All right? So the thing that I wanted to go through tonight, though, is to get an understanding what our response is once we get that revelation. You remember last week I talked about Paul? And I talked about Peter and the fact that they got the revelation. I like Peter's the most because he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. You remember we talked about that, I believe, out of Matthew chapter 16. And he said, my father has revealed it to you who I am. Well, the father's still revealing. And that we have to have that understanding, you are my Lord. But once we confess him as Lord, then we have to take a look at what is required of us to prove that he's Lord. Because one of the last scriptures I showed you, Luke 6, 46 said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? So Jesus is telling us, listen, if you're, gonna, if you're not gonna do what I tell you to do, then I'm not your Lord at all. But we wanna be people that understand he is our Lord, and how should we respond, all right? Here's the first thing that you need to know. Number one, God's original intent was to have a kingdom of sons, not subjects. 
most of the time that, you know, we see, you know, any of the movies and the king and King Arthur and all these different things, I mean, we, it talks a lot about the subjects, people that are in subject or subjection to the kingdom. But see, God didn't want that. He wanted a, he wanted a relationship of sonship. And so when we, we look at uh, Romans chapter 8, everybody got that one? I want you to get number one, original intent to have a kingdom of sons, not subjects. Here's a scripture I want you to know. All right, it said, for as many are as led of the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It said, for you have not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. 16 says, and the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I want to give you the, the Greek word for the word children. The word children in the Greek, it is the word technon, T-E-K-N-O-N, and it basically is the word for child. In the Greek, there's different words for different age children, okay? Uh, the, one of the most common one is for an infant is weos, in the Greek, it means an infant. And then, uh, and then we have, as the child grows older, technon is the one that is used in this particular verse. But n listen to this definition. Listen to this. It says, the name transferred to that intimate and reciprocal relationship. You need to underline in your writings there, intimate and reciprocal relationship formed between men by the bonds of love, friendship, trust, just as between parents and children. That is the type of relationship God was looking for, all right? He tells us right here, he said, I want it to be intimate, but I want it to be reciprocal. What is reciprocal? Everybody knows what that is. It's back and forth. It's not me just telling you all the time, I love you. I'd like to hear it once myself. Isn't that right, wives? That was your shot. Could have said something there. It's not so much, it's, it's, it's not so much, hey, what can I get out of this relationship? God wasn't even, God wasn't even thinking that because he, he wants that intimate relationship with us. As we confess him, Lord, he wants us as sons to come in and to be able to develop that relationship. And what was the other words? Love, friendship, and trust. Everybody wants a relationship like that. And he said, just as between parents and children, Melanie all the time is, is telling me, and, and I heard her praying one day that we were talking about, you know, our kids and praying for our kids and uh, now grandkids. And, and, uh, and, you know, she reminded the Lord, she said, Lord, she, I, I feel like I'm a good parent. I feel like I've raised the boys right, but you said I was evil compared to you. And didn't Jesus say that? He said that. That tells me that God has at once a relationship with us that probably is beyond our comprehension. That there's some kind of relationship that God is wanting with each and every one of us that maybe we've not tapped into before. And you know, the, the next thing that, that I had that I wanted to share with you about the Father is that when we develop that relationship with him, what we're looking at is serving him. As he is Lord, in order for him to be Lord, there has to be some type of service that can come. And we'll see several points in the scripture tonight about that. But let me give you the second point here is our father wants his children to have hearts that desire to serve. Our father wants his children to have hearts that desire 
to serve. That's our response to his lordship. He is Lord, so therefore he's probably got something for us to do. But he wants us to develop that heart of servanthood to him. Now, in Philippians chapter 2, I want to give you that scripture. And this is before the one I just read, 9 through 11. I just read Philippians 2. And I love Philippians 2 because it just basically describes our relationship, Jesus' relationship, and an and, and example of his relationship with the Father that we need to take on as a relationship between us and him. But in verse 5, this is what he said. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. So in other words, Jesus has a particular way of thinking. And we need to adopt that way of thinking. Now, I think it's the NIV. Somebody with an NIV could probably affirm this. But it said, let this attitude be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So Jesus had an attitude. Now, he had a good attitude, right? But when we see the word, let this mind be in you, basically it is a particular way of thinking that he's looking for. Look at the next verse. He said, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself no reputation, and he took upon him the form of a servant, and made, he was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even to the death of the cross. So last week we talked about that fact that Jesus became obedient because what we talk about, Jesus truly isn't Lord if the word obedient is missing. So obedience has to happen. And Jesus is showing us here, and the reason I love this so much, he's showing us by example, letting us know, listen, he had all the glory that his father had. And he didn't think it was anything to hold on to or grasp onto. And it said he made himself no reputation. The word no reputation means he did not think it was something to hold on to in order to fulfill the father's will. So he brings it, he brings it to the place that he takes on the form of a servant. Let me give you this word. The word servant, as you see it, it's translated several different ways in Scripture, but the, uh, <clears throat> the one here is the word doulos in the Greek, and it means a bondservant or slave. Here's another definition that I didn't put up there. I want you to know it is a slave or a servant by choice. And the picture uh, that it paints in the... In the, uh, uh, the uh, Old Testament, I think, is interesting because uh, when you talk about people that are slavery, you got to ask the question, how did this slavery, as they called it in the Old Covenant, basically servanthood, how did that happen? Well, the, two different ways. One, uh, you got foreign nations. When you attacked and conquered a foreign nation, uh, those people, you remember the story of David and Goliath? Where's Titus? Titus can tell that story. I ought to have him up here and tell that story to you. It's pretty quick, but he can tell it in detail, all right? But you remember that story. What was the deal? Goliath, send out a man that we may fight together. That's, what, that's how we tell that. And he said, uh, what, did, what did he say? If you defeat us, we'll become your slaves. If we defeat you, you'll become our slaves. Wasn't that the deal? That was the deal. 
All right. Well, we didn't, you know, Israel decided, you know, I just don't think that's within our purpose. And David went out and he said, hey, O king, I'll fight Goliath. And then you know how the story ended up. He was victor. He beat him. All right. Uh, you know, other, other places in there where it talked about uh, uh, slavery was the fact of debt. Most of the time that somebody went into slavery or into servanthood to anybody was because of debt. And you remember 2 Kings chapter 4, I don't have it up there. 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 1, you remember the, the widow woman? She comes to Elisha. She said, uh, my servant, I mean my husband, your servant, one of the sons of the prophets, you know he feared God, but he said his creditor is coming to take my two boys and put them into service. That is the, the Hebrew word equivalent to this word that means manslave. So when they were in debt, somebody's going to pay it. And uh, so they, they, uh, they, you know, he gave her a, a great vision, a great opportunity to, uh, uh, you know, see how the Lord could provide and take care of all of that. But that was another reason that somebody would go into slavery, even their own people. Then, if you'll remember, in Matthew uh, chapter 18, do you remember the story about the man that called one of his servants that owed him 10,000 talents? And uh, what did he do? He called his servants to him, and he had 10,000 talents he owed him, remember? Yeah. Now, I, I ran some math for you today, because if you look on your little app on your, uh, your phone, it uh, basically says that a talent was either 100 pounds, 100 pounds of silver, or 200 pounds of gold. So this guy got into a little debt with his master. It sounded like that he had opportunity because you have to understand the difference between service because uh, uh, how they become of debt and those that were, quote, hired servants. All right? There's all kind of hired servants in the scripture of understanding. They got paid. They were just basically like an employee. Okay, modern-day employee. But I thought it was interesting. This servant, if uh, and today when I looked, uh, silver was going for $27.39 an ounce. So 1,600 ounces would have been equivalent of $43,000. That's a lot of money back then. All right? If he had done 200 pounds of gold, he would have owned $5.6 million. And the guy calls him in and says, I, you know, I need you to give an account. Let's talk about it. And he begged him to give him some time to pay for it. And I love this king. I love this Lord. He had compassion on him. And what did he do? He forgave him of the debt. Now, that is the subject of the story. It is not how much the guy owed. It was the subject of forgiveness. See, that picture is us. That there was a debt that we owed because the wages of sin is death. And I hope you understand the definition from Scripture of death. It is not the, the ceasing to exist. Death is separation. There's three types of death mentioned in the Scripture. Okay? First one is spiritual death. We found that happened to Adam. When he, God said, the day you eat it, you will surely die. That is awesome, Wyatt. Great. They're teaching them that. But you know, the thing was, I don't know that Adam and Eve understood the concept of dying. Everything around them was living. But God told them, the day you eat it, you'll surely die. Well, they ate it, didn't they? And God doesn't lie. So guess what happens? You died. 
but they didn't die physically. How do we know that? Because the fifth chapter of Genesis says that he lived to be 930 years old. Took him 930 years to die physically, which is the second type of death mentioned, is the separation of your spirit man from your physical body. Revelation mentions the second death. It's called the second death. You want no part of the second death, and that is eternal separation from God in the lake of fire. All right? So he tells us, he tells us in there that when, when we, we, were, you know, we were forgiven, we had a debt we couldn't pay, the wages of sin is death, but Jesus paid the price. And he showed us how he paid the price by coming, and pastor has said it how many times? A suffering servant. That's because his father was looking for people that would come and love him. Let me give you number three. Our father wants us to serve him because we love him. Is that what that says? That's what it says. Our father wants us to serve him because we love him. Listen to this. This is Deuteronomy chapter 15. And it's little bitty, bitty, bitty on my notes, but I, I, got, it, I got it in the manual here. All right? Now listen to this. This is, it says, and if thy brother, a Hebrew man or Hebrew woman, be sold to thee and serve you for six years, then the seventh year you'll let him go free. And when you send him out from thee, you will not let him go away empty. You'll furnish him with literal, uh, you will furnish him liberally out of the, uh, the flock and out of, uh, of thy floor, out of thy winepress, and that wherewith the Lord thy God has blessed thee, thou shalt give to him. And you will remember that you were once a bondman in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee. Therefore, I command thee this thing today. And he said, and it shall be. Listen to this. Listen to this. If he say, who's the servant, says, I will not go away from you because he loves you. I will not go away from you because I love you. He said, and thine house, because he is well with thee. That is the Old Testament picture of what the New Testament word doulos means. That you are serving with the Father because you love him. And that's what he wants. Now, it goes on and said, then, and, and here, here it is, parents. First place, you find an ear piercing. Then you shall take an awl and thrust it through the ear unto the door, and he shall be your servant forever. And also unto thy maidservant shall you do likewise. I guess some parents wish that still stood for the same thing. You know what I mean? Got that ear pierced. Oh, that child must be obedient. That child must help around the house. Right? But he tells us right here. He said, I ain't leaving because I love you. You remember Elijah and Elisha said that um, when Elijah called Elisha, he served him, scholars believe, for 20 years. And you remember the story. He said, hey, I'm going down to this city. Stay here. And Elisha's answer was, as the Lord lives, as I so lives and the Lord liveth, I'll not leave thee. So he went down to that city. He tried to get him to stay back again to another city. And he said, nope, long as your soul lives and the Lord lives, I'm not leaving you. And then he finally asked him, he said, what do you want, Elisha? 
He said, I want a double portion of the anointing that's on your life. And he said, if you see me when I leave, you'll have it because you've asked for a hard thing. And was he there? He sure was. He saw him leave. Therefore, he was candidate to have that double portion. But he was a servant and became one of the mightiest prophets of God. In fact, you know, he is, uh, his miracles doubled Elijah's miracles. So when we see the fact that God wants us to serve him because we love him, isn't that kind of what we hope to see in our own children? I love to see them help us just because they want to, they want to help. I love it. You know, I, I told you last week, one thing I, I loved when I got them grandkids, I've said it before, <clears throat> is that if I knew they were so, as great as they were, I'd have had them first. You've heard that, probably seen that on a bumper sticker somewhere. It's true. Because, you know, I, I can't even imagine being three and four years old and just looking at me and saying, I love you, Papa. I mean, whatever you want. You know, or you give them something and they say, thank you, Papa. I love you, Papa. When's the next time we're going to the store? I mean, doesn't that do something? You know where we got that, that, that feeling of just poured on when they show that affection? We got that from Father God. We did. He's just like that. But the problem is sometimes we don't take the time to thank him or tell him how much we love him just because we love him. You know, we're always so concerned about all the things going on in our lives and, you know, uh, different things that are happening. I tell you, that's, uh, that's not where we need to be, not in this day. In this day, we need to be so close to the Lord that uh, the stuff on the outside doesn't even phase us. You know, I was talking to a pastor just recently because the Lord started dealing with me about all this stuff going on in, you know, our government and the different things like that. And, you know, I just had this question. I said, uh, Lord, how did you respond to the government in your day? Because we're disciples, right? What is a disciple? A disciple is a disciplined follower, uh, follower or a, a student or a pupil, so we ought to be learning something. And I went through all the scriptures, all the encounters that Jesus had with anybody that was of the government was always favorable. The centurion, you remember him? He came and called him Lord. Said, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. He said, Lord, I'm not worried that you come under my roof. He said, I'm a man like you under authority. And he said, you know, all I have to do is tell this one to do that and that and to go there and this one to come here. And they do it. He said, you speak the word only and my servant will be healed. That was a favorable experience with the government. How about Zacchaeus? He was a tax collector. He wasn't just a tax collector. Upon research, Zacchaeus was the head tax collector. He was the commissioner. That's what the word chief means. He was the chief tax collector. Jesus looked up at him, little old short dude, up in that tree. Everybody remember the song? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Wee little man was he. Climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And what Jesus say? Come down. I'm going to your house today. 
Amazing. Jesus walks in the house, and the first thing out of Zacchaeus' mouth says, Lord, if I stole from anybody, I'll return fourfold. Wow. Wow, government. Agency. Returning. Fourfold. Wow. I mean, that was Jesus' entire life. And they were under Roman rule. And you know what was so weird about that whole deal? He was a king. And, and we don't, you know, I mean, yeah, they took him to crucify him because that was part of the plan and the assignment. But in his earthly ministry and the things that he was called to do and the things he, people he has touched just like us, we shouldn't be concerned about that. We ought to let the Lord do for us what? Because you know what? The greatest principality and power was all the time invoking the religious on Jesus, trying to throw him off a cliff, you know, trying to, uh, you know, trap him in his words. It was never the government. But the thing is, don't worry about them, all right? We serve the Lord, and he is king, Amen. All right, let's take a look at number four. Everybody got number three? Here's number four. Our Lord and King Jesus is the greatest example of a loving servant. We read that a minute ago, that he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Well, I want to go to Matthew chapter 20. Uh, chapter 20. I'll give you the backstory on this before we get to verse 25 through 28. Uh, the children of Zebedee was James and John. If you remember, they were brothers and they were partners with Peter and the fishing team. And uh, one day, their mama came to Jesus and said, I have a request. He goes, what would you like? Said, well, when you come into your kingdom, I want my boys, one to sit on your right hand and the other sit on your left. And Jesus let her know, you don't quite know what you're asking for. Are they able to drink from the cup that I am going to be drinking of? And he looks at them and they said, yeah. And he said, well, here's the deal. You truly are going to be drinking of that cup. But to give you those places is up to my father. And he said, and the other 10 disciples were indignant. They were upset with the request. And then Jesus comes down in verse 25, and Jesus called them to him, and he said, you know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise uh, authority upon them. So Jesus is telling us basically how the world operates, that you have people in a leadership or in a position and that they're, what are they doing? They're exercising dominion and authority over their subjects. Notice what Jesus said in the next verse, but it shall not be so among you. Now, Jesus tells you that something should be so, should not be so, what, sh what should you not do? This, right? Notice what he said. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. I want to take a look at both those words because they're, they're different. The word minister in the original language is the word diakonos. Diakonos means an errand runner. 
In its original, original definition was an errand runner. But we have the word attendant and we have the word waiter to show it. It's somebody that serves table, somebody that runs errands, somebody that does menial tasks. Okay? Jesus tells us here, he said, whosoever will be great among you, let him be the one that does the attending or the waiting. The church began using this word to describe an office assigned to take care of the poor and oversee the money that collected for them. That was that particular office. Even in, in Timothy's writings and in the letter to Titus, it talks about the fact that these guys had a particular, uh, uh, basically, rules and regulations that they had to follow if they wanted that office. But if you'll go to the next one where he says there, but who would be chief among you, let him be your servant. We're back to the word doulos. The word doulos, again, it means a bond, slave, or servant, but another definition that we have is one that gives himself totally to the, the master's will. Totally. So when we see, we see the, the respect that we've got to have for the Lord, we've got to be listening. You know, I remember when the Lord first called us down here. And most of you have heard the story that uh, in 2006, we had made plans. Joshua and Pastor Earl came to the house. And um, um, back before they left, and Josh had not yet finished all of his studies and the whole bit, but he's telling, one day he told me, he said, Dad, I'm moving to Florida. I said, you are. Everybody wants to move to Florida. I said, so what are you going to do in Florida? He said, I'm going to work with Pastor Earl. I said, really? So when he told me that, then the next thing you know, there's a meeting called, and it's Pastor Earl and him stating the case. You know, telling us that, that this is the plan that we're going to have and, and the different things there. And uh, I don't recall the timeline exactly, but March of that same year, all right, he's leaving in April. March of that same year, Melanie gets hit with a ruptured brain aneurysm. That night, we'd come home, and uh, we were waiting on the boys to come home, and her and I were watching. I still remember the show we were watching. Anybody heard of Andy Griffith? Anybody remember the episode about Aunt B's kerosene pickles? We just finished watching that. All of a sudden, she looked over at me and she said, I feel like I'm going to pass out. And I got to thinking, well, you're laying on the bed. Pass on out. I don't, what's the matter? <laughs> All of a sudden, she started breathing extremely heavy. Her eyes locked open. She began to swell. I am freaking out. I'm thinking, what is she having a heart attack? What is going on? And, I, and, and you know, long story short, yeah, she had a ruptured brain aneurysm. Uh, we were able to get her some help, but the Lord started healing that. She got everything back. She had gone blind, and she had lost her both legs. Uh, because when the episode was happening, I was on 911 calling. They were, you know, having me check her airway, and, airway, uh, and, and, uh, uh, and you know, I was talking to her. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. My head hurts. My head hurts. You know, I said, can you feel me touching your arm? She said, no. I, yes, I can feel you touching your arm. How about your legs? No, I can't feel you touching my legs, and I can't see you. All right, so we get to the hospital, you know, and I'm praying in the spirit. I am praying in the spirit like I have never prayed in the spirit before, okay? And uh, so, you know, uh, 
through just the miracle and the hand of God. One, his hand upon her to, to, to keep her safe. But then we ended up getting her to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Air flighted her up there. Uh, it was it was absolute miracle how it all happened. And uh, but you know the thing was Josh is leaving. And I remember Pastor Earl t- telling him, "said Listen, don't say a word about coming down here until we know what's up with Mom." All right. Well, Mom and I went to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester. They said it's a 21 day deal. We'd never been away anywhere for 21 days. And uh, the Lord miraculously did it. In nine days, we were on the road coming home. And she had no side effects. Totally healed. Totally healed. And when... We, we got the, you know, finally got the call and it was, uh, it was, that was 2006, 2007. The Lord started talking to me and, and during Thanksgiving of 2007, he made a mention to me. He said, you're not kingdom minded enough. I had no idea what he was talking about. I said, you know, where's my Bible? Let me look through here. Does it say anything about the kingdom? Amen. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you. So I, I copied down all the verses that said something about kingdom. I didn't have a word, a clue what I was reading, what I was writing, you know. And then all of a sudden, 2008 comes around, and the Lord starts dealing with me about moving down here. And I said, hmm, you know, Lord, I have, everybody wants to move to Florida, but me. I said, have you looked around? I, we got it going on pretty good here. I mean, we worked hard for this. We've served you with all of our hearts in the church. I mean, you know. And uh, the Lord wasn't really impressed with none of that conversation. <laughs> then a year later, uh, we are packing up like the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> and we're moving to Florida. St. Augustine, that is. <laughs> I'll never forget, man. Melanie, she's driving. It's two in the morning. And she starts yelling, there's a snake in the middle of the highway. I go, what do you mean a snake? She goes, the lines, they're starting to form into a snake. I said, how many of them five-hour energy drinks did you drink? She goes, five. I said, you are drunk. And you're driving. I said, you got to be kidding me. Uh. But we made it. We made it down here. But we were so exhausted. And Pastor was going to a seminar that Friday. We get in on Tuesday morning, and, uh, you know, and I was supposed to go with him. And uh, he said, man, it, it sounds like you had quite a trip. We did. We had, we had quite the trip. We, for some reason, we drove straight through, but we had two dogs, loaded down pickup, another pickup, a trailer, and and the people that were moving the house stuff had two 26-foot U-Hauls. And we hired somebody to do that because we almost lost everything we had. We look behind us, and Caleb is driving the big white, as we called our truck, and somebody cut him off in traffic, and he is locking up, sliding down the center median with our trailer. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. We made it. Man... Lord, is this what you had planned? And we get here, 
And uh, pastor goes to that seminar I was supposed to go to, and that's where he heard Dr. Miles Monroe for the first time, speaking on rediscovering the kingdom. He comes back, he's acting like a little strange, and I said, what is going on? He goes, man, I've been shaken to the core. He said, I've heard something that I've never heard before, and I, you know, I just got to, I've got to be able to uh, uh, communicate this to the church. This is where we're heading from now on. Well, what is it? I can't tell you. I just kicked myself not going to that meeting. So I, like everybody else, had to be, you know, had to be patient. One day I'm moseying around the church. And not very far to mosey. It wasn't that big, if those of you remember 312. Walked into his office. And he had these three books sitting on the office, on his, ta- on his desk. I looked at the first one, went like this. Took a snapshot. Look at the next one. Took a next snapshot. This is before cell phones had cameras. <laughs> went and got on Amazon. Ordered all three of them books. I'm getting into these books, man. Book number one, Rediscovering the Kingdom. Oh, Lord, that's what you was talking about two years ago. About the kingdom. Wow. I've never seen it before. I'm half done with the book. I am so excited. I called Josh. Josh, you know them books that Pastor brought back from that seminar? Are you reading them yet? He goes, no. He said, Pastor told us not to read them. I said, oh, well, he didn't tell me not to read them. (laughs) I'm reading along. Lord is my witness. Five minutes. Pastor O calls. I should have known you were going to buy them books. I said, are they great or what? He goes, put the book down. You know what I thought, don't you? My own son. <laughs> had ratted me out. But I'm obedient. Put the book down right on top of my desk. All three of them stacked up. Overcame the temptation. But I memorized the back of those books. You know, 7th of June, 2009, pastor preached for over an hour and a half. We got out, we couldn't believe what time it was. It was that good. And it changed the course and the historical value of our church forever. When we talk about the kingdom, we have to talk about our king we also have to talk about us and our place in that kingdom. Let me give you the last uh, couple. Number five. I don't think we've seen that one yet. Number five is this. Our Father not only desires to assist us as we, do, uh, as we serve, but he does reward us as well. He not only desires to assist us as we serve, by giving us gifts and talents and things on the inside and helping us find our purpose and what is the place that we have 
in the body of Christ. But he rewards us if we're obedient and we serve him. Colossians chapter 3 said, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you will receive a reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. That tells us our position. All the things that we've discussed tonight, we love him and we serve him. Go to Revelation 22. Guess what he says? He's coming. And behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. So he's coming, and he's coming with a reward because we've served him. Number six, your eternal reward will be based on your service to others. In Matthew chapter 25, let me read it to you. In Matthew chapter 25, we have Jesus now coming back as the king. In chapter 25, verse 34, he's letting us know what this is going to look like. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Where do kings sit? On thrones. Question is, are you seated with him? All right. He said, and before him he, will, he has gathered all nations. He'll separate them one for another, from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he'll set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me meat. He said, I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. Sick, you visited me. And I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord... When saw thee hungry and fed you? When do we see you thirsty and give you drink? When saw thee a stranger and took you in, or naked or clothed thee? Or when uh, saw we sick or in prison and came to you? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of these least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. See, the rewards when he sits down to judge us at the judgment seat of Christ, in the Greek it is the word bema, B-E-M-A, is pronounced bema, and is basically a block that you stand up on and there's going to be a tribunal. It's going to be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you're going to give an account of what you did in your service to him. He said you're going to be judged for your works. Okay, that's where the judgment is really the reward giving we just read in Revelation. So when he tells us how important it is, who are we serving? Remember he said, you serve the Lord. He said, do it heartily, not as you do it to men, but serve him. That's who you're serving. Every time you help someone, he said, if you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. 
And number seven, here's the, here's, here, here's the, uh, the final one. It said, your true life's fulfillment will ultimately be found in your service to the kingdom of God. If you're dissatisfied with your walk, if you're one that's got more problems than you seem to be able to handle, the question is, is that have you reached your potential in servicehood? In servanthood to the Lord and in your service, it's truly where your fulfillment will come from. What did Jesus say? The last part of that one verse in Matthew chapter 20, he said, even as the Son of Man did not come to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. In the 12th chapter of Hebrews, it said that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and now is seated at the right hand of the Father. I don't know how in the world you could count that joy, all that he went through. But see, Jesus had the ability to look into the future and see you and me. And all he's asking us to do is the same thing he did. Serve the Lord with gladness, not sadness. Amen? Bow your head with me. Father, we praise you and thank you. As always, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you that we do want to be your servants. We want to submit everything that we have to you and to work with you. Thank you for the gifts and the talents that you put in each of us so we might be able to find that place of service. And that, Father, we just start where we are. We put away those different things that would hinder us from doing your will. Thanks again so much for listening to this episode. If you'd like to get more of our content, you can subscribe wherever you're listening, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. You can also watch our weekend messages at youtube.com forward slash anchor faith when they air every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Subscribe to us so you never miss a message and leave us a comment or a like. It really does help. You sharing, rating, and commenting on this podcast and any of our content is the best way to keep it in circulation for others to be influenced with this message of God's kingdom. So please consider sending a link to friends and family, sharing on social media, or simply giving us a rating. And finally, if you'd like more information about Anchor Faith Church and support the work we're doing from St. Augustine, Florida in igniting the city, impacting the nation, and influencing the world, you can visit us at anchorfaith.com. Thank you.